I am so excited to be joined today by Aaron, the founder of Raw Beauty Talks. For a raw and real conversation, Aaron was recently at Reform, which was hosted in Squamish, BC. Team Corker was there and came back and said, you have to talk to Aaron. This is a real conversation. So it's with great joy that Aaron joins us today. Hey, you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I don't often get to podcast with people who have their own podcasts, so I do feel like <laughs> there's a little bit of pressure. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, my God. There's no pressure. None. Great. So Aaron says there's no pressure. We can dive right in. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get raw. Oh, get raw. So Aaron, I'm going to share our story. We first connected, was it four, no more, five, five or six years ago. I was at Lululemon and you came in to take pictures and you had just started, or maybe not just started, you were in the midst of your awesome campaign of taking photographs and featuring women without makeup on. And it was so revolutionary and it was so cool to, to see you. And you were there with your, your camera crew and just women's reactions to getting their photos taken without, without makeup on. And uh, admittedly, I don't wear a ton of makeup, but still you're bearing all. And lots has happened since then and you're still in the game. And I, I just want to commend you and thank you for that raw experience. But I want to know how that, how did raw beauty begin for you? Well, thank you for being brave enough to step in front of the camera, because as you said, it is, it's hard for women, even if you're somebody who doesn't wear a lot of makeup to be photographed, to be, to just be seen as you are. And as we are, can be really vulnerable for women. And the reason that I, started raw originally was because I was craving to see more real in media. I was, what, how old was I when I started it? I was probably around 24, 25 and had been through this journey of an eating disorder and body dysmorphia and struggling with anxiety and just never feeling good enough. And so many of the women who I looked up to who were featured in media, I just felt like we didn't get to see we didn't get to see the behind the scenes of these women and I was craving that. So I decided to start a little blog and interview women who inspired me and to photograph them without makeup, Photoshop or filters and to have real raw, honest conversations about what was going on in our lives, the good, the bad, you know, we covered everything from, <laughs> I don't know, being bullied in high school is what people thought about breast implants to the pressures that we feel to what kind of sunscreen we're using. Like, honestly, we just, we went into everything and it was such an amazing experience. And I learned so much. It was interesting because we gained um, quite a following when we did it because nobody else was really doing this yet, except for Dove and like maybe a couple other small companies. and a large part of our following thought that we were this no makeup movement. And that wasn't the case at all. Really for me, it wasn't about whether you wear makeup or don't wear makeup or have had Botox or don't have Botox. It was just about like women being able to show up as they were and as they are and to just be seen and to be accepted and to, to be able to share their stories. Because I think that's what we really are all craving and what we really all 
need from one another. And so it kind of evolved from there. And we got to work with some amazing companies on various campaigns. And, you know, I was having my kids around the same time. And so it's continuously evolved and changed to where we are now. That's amazing. And so Raw Beauty Talks is a conversation of beauty, confidence, and self-love. And I want to know if I can dive into what is the conversation with yourself on beauty, confidence, and self-love, Erin? It's always, always changing. And it's really, really shifted over the years. I mean, I think for me, this concept of self-love, to be honest, was it was really turning me off. Like a couple of years ago, I could barely even say the word. I just thought it felt so fluffy and like, what does that even really mean? And how do we find it? For me, I'm somebody who it's really important that I am able to actively describe how somebody would achieve something. So I should, I should mention that after doing all these photos and having all these conversations and working with all these brands, I reached a point where I was totally burnt out from it. And where I was like, I cannot have another one of these conversations about how vulnerable and how much self doubt we have without having some solutions to help women move forward from this. So I went back and did my health coaching certification, which took about a year and started putting together some programs based on what I'd learned in school and then also on my own journey and started doing coaching and helping women to actually apply some principles of self-love to their life, whether that was through the way that they were moving their body, the foods that they were eating, the self-talk that they were having. And so the whole time that I've been doing this, obviously there's so much self-reflection going on and so much of my own personal discovery that's happening. And so I think it really has shifted from a place where I felt quite out of control about the thoughts that were coming into my head. And I truly felt when I thought like I'm fat or I have cellulite, no guy's going to like me, or um, I'm starting to look old, or I shouldn't have said that to that person. Why did I say that? That's so stupid. Like I was so caught up in those thoughts being real and true about who I was and I had no ability to separate from them and therefore they caused these huge reactions in me where I felt very anxious where I felt like I was always at war with myself and so over the years I've really come to understand that I can create space between the thoughts in my head and I'm able to observe them and that that alone can help reduce the reaction to them. It can allow me space and time to sort of shift the narrative in my mind to something that's a lot more empowering. And I've just, I'm at a totally different place with my body at this point where I just view it as this tool that allows me to experience life that allows me to do this work that I'm meant to do, that grew my babies, that allows me to feel them, that is like overflowing with emotion. And so I just have so much gratitude for my body. And of course I have moments of self-doubt and I went through a really tough period with postpartum anxiety and panic attacks last year after having Brooklyn. And I felt discouraged with my body during that period again, but it was only by moving back to a place of self-love where I was treating my body with kindness, where I was listening to what it needed that I was able to heal and move on from that. So it's a journey, but I'm in a good place right now, a really good place. 
what I love about your journey and thank you for sharing is that it's not perfect and it's had its ups and downs and you've also had exposure to other wonderful women's highs and lows and <laughs> yep. it makes it so raw and so real. And I love that you, you know, sort of dove into the confidence and, and self-love piece and, you know, being a coach and being the founder that you are, are, do you have a suggestion for three things that we could take note of when we're in a place of, you know, self-doubt or self-deprecation, lacking self-love? How can we change that conversation? Yes, absolutely. So I feel like with self-love in particular, we look at it almost as this emotion that we're waiting to feel. It's like the same as this idea that we have in regards to falling in love, that one day we'll just wake up and we'll feel this overwhelming love for our partner or for somebody in our life. And that that overwhelming feeling of love or lust will just stick around forever. When the reality is that with any kind of love, love in a friendship, love in a partnership, love in it for ourselves, we have to work at it. We have to, we have to pay attention to it and nurture it and, and grow it. And so when it comes to self-love, I like to look at it more as a verb or an action that we take towards ourselves versus just some emotion that we're sitting around waiting to feel. Because if we look at it as an emotion that we're waiting to feel, we're waking up every morning, hoping to look in the mirror and like what we see. If we look at it as a verb or an action, it becomes a lot more empowering. It becomes something that we have control over. So looking at self-love as a verb or an action, one of the ways that we can really break that down or put it, make it into a tangible tool is to use what I call the three C's of self-love. So the three C's of self-love are curiosity, compassion, and commitment to self. So curiosity is staying really curious about the individual that you are, the unique individual that you are. So really learning about yourself, what works for your body and what doesn't work for your body. Are there certain foods, even if they're considered healthy by media and health experts that don't work with your body? So for me, chickpeas, kale, they like cause severe stomach pain and gas. So it's not really working with my body, even though everyone's saying that I should eat these things. With movement, is there are there certain types of movement that really make you feel energized, that make you feel joy, where you're like wanting and craving to do them? And you can do this in any aspect of your life. Are there people that make you feel good? Are there jobs that make you feel good? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? So it's really the practice of getting very curious about who you are, what works with your body, mind, and soul, and then allowing space and time for that in your schedule and in your routine. Mm. The second C, which is compassion, is staying compassionate as you discover these things about yourself, being gentle with yourself and being accepting of the fact that this is the individual that you are and really, you know, honoring and nurturing and being gentle with that individual. And so that can look like anything from simply carving out space and time in your schedule for the things that you love to really monitoring that self-talk that's happening. So if you notice that you're like, oh my God, why? Here's another example for me. I am somebody who is introverted. I also love spending time with friends. But for example, if I go away on a girl's trip, I have to have some alone time. Otherwise I come home and feel so exhausted. This was a hard one for me because I feel like all of my other friends are so extroverted. They could literally hang out with each other all the time. And it has nothing to do with my feelings for them. It's just 
I have to have some downtime and some alone time to recharge. And so now when we go away, I have to create that space and time for myself. And I could beat myself up about that. Or I can just be gentle and be like, that's who I am. And that's totally okay. And everybody's different. And, you know, it's, so it's being compassionate about yourself. And the third is commitment to self. So as you make these discoveries, as you're compassionate to yourself, really staying committed to honoring that individual that you are. And I find the more that we do that, the more that we create space for that individual, the more life starts to flow. All of a sudden work starts feeling better and your friendships start feeling better. And life just, it, it's like you're flowing downstream. You're not swimming upstream anymore. And it, it's like gold. So yeah. I like it. Three C's, curiosity, <laughs> compassion, and commitment. And yeah, that's, I, I mean, it's in its rawest form, no pun intended. It's, those are simple things. And those are three things we can come back to all the time, every day, in any moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is a really beautiful thing. Awesome. I, I guess in the same vein, I want to dig in and hear from you, your thoughts, the, the beauty, health and wellness in the real world. Can you share with us some of the the, the ugly side? Like what is the toxic world that we might not know about? What are the products that we should totally be staying away from? What's, what's not real and raw right now in, in the beauty and, and wellness space? I feel like there's no one better than you to tell us about the, the ugly side. Mm, yeah. I mean, the thing with the beauty industry is that it's highly unregulated. So in mm. Canada, it's Canada Health that regulates it. It's a little bit better than the U.S. The U.S., it's the FDA, which is the Food Drug Association. And essentially, there isn't really a governing body that is examining all of the ingredients that are in the products that we're using. And so companies are, are using things that studies are starting to show are really toxic to our bodies. And there's... I mean, honestly, it's, it's essentially the cosmetic industry that governs itself. So the different organizations that are producing these products that get to decide whether stuff stays on the shelf or whether it doesn't, even if studies come back saying that something's toxic, they're not required to pull it from the shelf. The FDA has not really updated its policies since 1938. And I think there's only something like 11 ingredients in the U.S. that are banned from products, from beauty products and household products. Whereas the EU, the European Union, has hundreds of um, ingredients that are banned. I think Canada has over 500. So it's really interesting. On one side, we have all these beauty and household products that contain chemicals that aren't really properly tested, that aren't being monitored closely. And then we have this new emerging world of clean beauty or whole beauty um, or natural products that are also not being regulated. So a lot of companies are putting labels on their products that are saying things like natural or for sensitive skin, or they, you know, have leaves and nature all over the packaging. So you feel like you're getting these beautiful whole ingredients, but that's not actually the case. And even some clean beauty companies that say that they're clean, like there's no one out there who's really defining what that truly means. So now more than ever, it is really important that we're reading labels and, and packaging, and we've been doing this with food for years, but I think it's important for us to be doing it with the products. When you go to read the labels, unfortunately, it all seems like it's in a different language because it's like these chemical names. 
So we actually created a list on our website of, I think there's about six ingredients that you really want to try and watch out for. It's nothing like, I don't want people panicking about this because one of the other things that I would say in regards to health and wellness, I'll talk about it in a second, is that we're becoming obsessive about it. Right. So if you go to the Raw Beauty Talk site, I do share some sort of tips and advice in regards to detoxifying some of the products that you use and some of the key ingredients that you sh- you would want to sort of watch out for. And my recommendation is always just to um, switch out products as your other products are getting empty so that you're not like dumping everything and starting fresh and having to spend a ton of money on this. When a, a product is done, then do a little research to find a new one that is a good fit for you. And then the second one thing I wanted to say in regards to health and wellness is that because it's being talked about so much right now, and there's so many options for people, and there's so many health experts who are sharing their advice, I think it's easy for us to almost get stressed out (laughs) about our health routine and about staying healthy. Well and good which is one of my favorite online sites, they said one of the top trends in 2019 is performative wellness, meaning that we're, we're really aiming to not get so stressed out about mm. health and wellness that it should be adding to our life, not adding to our to-do list, essentially. Right. So yeah, I mean, in health and wellness, my, my personal thought is to always encourage people to go back to what feels right for your body, what's, what's feeling good and, and noticing and tuning into um, what is working for your body. So are you feeling more energized? Does it feel like things are moving in the right direction? And at the end of the day, you are the number one health authority on your own body, mm. more so than any doctor, naturopath, physiotherapist, whatever it is. You're, right. You've got to know your body. You've got to yeah. tune in. So I hear you. Step one is let's tune into our own bodies, but you mentioned well and good. And I can't help but ask someone like you, where do you go for inspiration or who do you look to either a brand or a person that you think is doing a really great job and that, you know, is, is worth, yeah, worth following and and a trusted, a trusted source. and, And perhaps dare I say, even inspiring you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There are so many, women and organizations out there that are inspiring me. And so many of them I get, I'm lucky that I get to talk with them on our own podcast and really go behind the scenes with them about what health and wellness look like for them, which is, I mean, it's like, I feel like I have the best job in the world. So, I mean, some of the women that we've interviewed are incredibly inspiring to me. And usually they're still on the journey to figuring all of this stuff out, which I really appreciate because I feel like, I feel like sometimes the people who think that they know it all are, uh, I don't know, can anybody really know it all in this world? There's so much information out there and so much to learn. So Angie Green is one of my favorites. She's just this amazing wealth of knowledge. She's so well-read, but she's also like a mom of three. She's in it. She talks a lot about anxiety and depression and, you know, eating whole food. She just, uh, she's just a wonderful wonderful human. I love Sarah from the Birds Papaya for body positivity. She's just cool and she's rocking it and she's really real and honest. Well and Good, as I mentioned, is one of my favorite sites for health information because especially now that I've talked to Melise, who's the founder, and I understand that they really do research their topics and they show a diverse group of women on the site. 
So I don't, I mean, honestly, there's just, there's so many people out there. I love it. I love it. I want to know the, I don't know why today I feel like you and the number three is really real. Um, the thing <laughs> that you do every day that you might consider mundane or routine, but inject some, some self-love, it, how do you, you know, inject curiosity and compassion? The three things that the founder of Raw Beauty Talks does to keep it real and raw. Oh, good question. Um, okay. So the first one that I've really shifted is my nighttime routine. I used to hate getting ready for bed because I would literally work until my eyes were closing. And then I was like, Oh, I don't want to wash off my makeup and brush my teeth. That's so annoying. And I've really shifted that to becoming this ritual. This sounds so cheesy, but of honoring myself and my body and just taking some deep breaths. So the way that I do that, and and I've almost turned it into a meditation or mindfulness experience and just, yeah, really tuning into all five senses as I go through my, like washing my face and brushing my teeth and having a bit of water before bed. The other thing that I've started doing is trying to read fiction before falling asleep. I used to, I'm like obsessed with self-help books and (laughs) obviously this is the stuff that I, that I teach as well. So I used to always read that kind of book before bed and it would get my wheels turning. So now I'm reading fiction, which I remember saying at some point, quote unquote, like, why would I waste my time reading fiction? It's what am I going to learn from that? Like, it's not really adding anything to my life. And now I see that it's adding something by, just allowing my brain to shut off a little bit (laughs) to tune out for a second. And then the other thing that is sort of mundane, honestly, is like the kid's bedtime routine. Any Mm -hmm. parent who's listening will know that sometimes that can feel like, okay, here we go. We've got like an hour and a half. We're doing bath time. We're doing story time. We're doing like bathroom. We're getting another cup of water. We're doing da da da. And it can get easy to get frustrated in that moment, but really just trying to slow it down and recognize that that whole process is a period of time that I get to spend with them. And that, you know, it can go one of two ways. It can either be super stressful or we can just like sink into it and really get to enjoy that time with them. Amazing. What I love is that these are hardly mundane and they're really special moments in time. And in the name of taking care of our health and our wellness. I I mean, it sounds like our relationship with our brain and our relationship with time might be the most important and perhaps the most healthy relationship we can have. Mm, Yeah, I would second that. Absolutely. Oh gosh. So some more breaths, maybe some more coffee, but definitely (laughs) brushing your teeth before we go to bed. You know what the funny thing is, I don't even drink coffee normally. And I'm I do have Earl Grey tea is my sort of semi-caffeinated drink of choice, but I'm having a coffee right now and it was just one of those days. I like it. Great. No (laughs) no judgment. All love. Caffeine conversations. Yes. Erin, our last question on the podcast that I love to ask everyone is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Mm, That is a great question. um, Two things pop into mind. One is these beautiful conversations that I'm getting to have with women and where we really get to go deep. It's not these surface level conversations, but it's like right to the heart and soul of who these individuals are. So those conversations that we're having on the podcast are definitely making the heart beat faster and then slow living, 
Mm. I mean, I can hardly believe that's coming out of my mouth because that's (laughs) like the opposite of the essence of who I've been for 34 years. But now more than ever, I'm really embracing, craving, and making room for life to just be a little bit slower. Amazing. Ah, and you recently moved to the mountain town of Whistler, British Columbia. I mean, I don't know if it's really slow living when you're with the adrenaline junkies of that mountain, but I think the rest, <laughs> the rest of the time you probably slow, right? Yes, no, and it is just, a, it's a different pace. I mean, I don't even think like with a one and a half and a three and a half year old that it is slow, slow living that I'm talking about, but it's like just a little bit more space, just a little less in the calendar and just a little bit more focused on the things that I really truly value. So yeah. Well, Erin, we must wrap. That's it. I really appreciate your time and we'll make sure to include in the show notes below links to your podcast and your site and resources. May we all just slow down and take our raw beauty never ever for granted. Thank you so much for having me on today. It was such a pleasure to chat with you.